Welcome to On the Spot with Melinda Garvey, the On the Dot interview series where we sit down with some of the most intriguing and interesting women to watch featured in our daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On the Dot. Make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of On the Spot, now available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. This week on On The Spot, we have Tiffany Pham, founder and CEO of Mogul, a networking platform for young women to connect on their careers. Without further ado, let's start the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to On The Spot with On The Dot. I am your host, Melinda Garvey. I am the founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success by showing you relatable role models every day. And I'm so excited about this podcast in particular because we really get to do a deep dive with some amazing women. Of course, every day we give you four minutes with some incredible role models, but this is really fun to be able to do a deep dive and actually to hear from these incredible role models themselves and let them tell tell you your story and their why and just help motivate you and let you know that you too can find that success. And today we welcome somebody who I've been a super fan for a while. We actually featured her on our four minute podcast about a year ago. And she is Tiffany Pham and she is the founder of Mogul. And Mogul is a tech platform. You've probably heard of it if you're listening because you're probably on it. It's millions and millions of women the world over that are on this platform that is really about connecting and sharing information and just giving access to women to help women succeed. Anyway, so we're just really excited to have her here today and kind of jump into a deeper conversation. So welcome, Tiffany. Thanks so much, Melinda. I'm so excited to be on. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours as well. So excited about our now conversation and being able to deep dive into our collective stories. Absolutely. Well, where I'd love to kind of start, I always like to go kind of jump way back for you really to tell us your story and your motivation. Because I think sometimes people, the minute I said, oh, you have millions of followers on your site. They go, oh, well, I can't do that. I'm just starting. I don't know how to get there. But what we're always trying to show is now there's this path and that you're just like the rest of us and that path that you followed and those passions. So I'd love for you to tell your story because I think other women can find those stepping stones to create their path through yours. So I'd love to just kind of take you back when you were younger and what were your big dreams and what sort of led you to where you are today? Well, I was inspired initially by my own relatable role model, my grandmother. My grandmother was such an amazing woman to me. She ran companies and businesses across Asia, hoping to provide others a need with information and opportunities. And I just thought she was the coolest person ever, just looked up so much to her. I wanted to be just like her. She was even one of the first women to drive a car in Vietnam, for example. And so I actually initially grew up because of different circumstances with the war, etc. I grew up in Paris, France initially, but When I was 10 years old, my parents worried that I wouldn't have opportunities like those around me. So because I was a minority, they hoped to bring me to perhaps where they felt we were going to have more opportunities, to America, especially Mm -hmm. as they were watching black and white movies over and over again in the movie theaters in France. Did I read correctly that you moved to Texas when you moved to the States? Is that right? (laughs) I love Texas so much. And what happened was that I had an incredible learning experience as I soon started to watch TV shows and Friends, I Love Lucy, informed how I could speak English better. I went to school and and was able to learn there too. But all around me, beyond school, it was thanks to the TV shows I was watching. It was thanks to the radio I was listening to, Delilah, KBIL in Texas, that was around me that enabled me to learn English and see for myself how powerful media could be for learning and education. And I never forgot that feeling. And then when I was 14 years old, That was when my entire life changed because that was the year 
that my biggest role model in life, the one person I looked up to so much, that was the year that she passed away. And that day that she passed away, I made a promise to her that I would do everything I could to follow in her footsteps. And I would dedicate my life too towards providing others in need with information and opportunities just as she had. No matter how hard or challenging, I was going to spend every waking moment working towards this goal and mission too. I promised her. Ever since then, that's all I've ever worked towards. And so then by age 16, I was trying to figure out how to be more like my grandmother when all of a sudden I saw a TV show uh, called Gilmore Girls. Around 16, before I watched the show, I determined that I wasn't able to go to college, in fact, because I wouldn't have the money to go. I didn't want to spend my parents' money, their hard-earned money. I had already started to associate time with money, and I didn't want to waste anyone's time. And so around this time, even though I had decided I probably shouldn't go to college, I saw Gilmore Girls, and I saw how Rory went off to Yale and ran the school newspaper, just like my grandmother had run a newspaper back in Asia. And all of a sudden, it made me think, maybe that's what I need to do next. So even though I didn't have the money to go to college or even visit college, I wrote a letter to Yale, and I asked if they would just give me the chance. I knew I could do this one day, whereby I, too, could provide others in need with information and opportunities, just like my grandmother, and follow in her footsteps. If they'd just give me the chance, I knew I could do it. And then several weeks went by and months, and all of a sudden, I saw a fat envelope in my inbox, my mailbox, and I had gotten in. So all of a sudden... There I was at Yale campus and was so shy and introverted. My whole first year went to waste. I had so much wanted to be like my grandmother, and yet I was so shy and introverted. I had no impact whatsoever and was really disappointed in myself when I came back my summer after a freshman year to Plano, Texas. Mm -hmm. That was when the same thing that has saved me throughout the rest of my life came upon me then, which was that even though I didn't have courage or confidence, this voice inside me came about and it was saying inside me that I could never regret a single moment in my life ever again. Forever, for the rest of my life, I had to start to speak up, to share my voice, to raise my hand, to put my foot forward. I had to go for it. I was never going to let another moment slip by that I would regret for the rest of my life. So thereafter, I ended up coming back to Yale and going after opportunities. And what then became me becoming the webmaster for the Asian American Students Alliance, then soon became me becoming the publisher of the school newspaper, turning it around, bringing it from bankruptcy to record profitability by selling ads door to door to door myself, having to really get over my timidity then. Right. I then had to help save this newspaper and I then became more and more confident. And around that time, I saw another movie, uh, this time called Legally Blonde. (laughs) In Legally Blonde, Elle Woods goes off to grad school to Harvard and then all of a sudden she kills it. And she wasn't confident in herself prior to going off to grad school, but then she, again, ends up killing it. So for myself, I thought maybe this was what, again, I should try to do to be like my grandmother. And so even though I didn't have the money to go to grad school, I ended up writing a letter to Harvard and seeing if they would just let me in. Then I knew, again, I could follow my grandmother's footsteps in this way and create this company. So they ended up, a couple of months later, sending me a fat envelope, and I had gotten in again on scholarship. Again, didn't speak up. Again, was so timid, even though I promised myself I would never regret a single moment in my life ever again, and I would speak up always. I lapsed because I, again, didn't speak up, and that was a major challenge because most grades at Harvard Business School were, in fact, based on your participation in class and how often you spoke. 
literally didn't even matter the exam grades or the homework. So I suffered. And then again, I went back to Plano and I found my center once again. And I said to myself, I'm not going to regret it ever again. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to speak up. And so I started speaking up. I started to write down every single idea I had in class. And by the end of the class, I would force myself to have raised my hand for every single point, not let a single one go and feel a sense of relief anytime the professor didn't call on me, but I always did. <laughs> and then finally, as a result, by forcing myself, that force function enabled me to, again, become a better public speaker and ultimately thrive. So what happened was that then I started reaching out to friends, people that I thought might be able to introduce me into the industry of media since I felt that, you know, I'd learned how to be like my grandmother a little bit more by pursuing that newspaper opportunity. So perhaps next I should learn to be more like her throughout the rest of the industry so I could learn how to create this company within that space. So I ended up then uh, contacting a friend named Lizzie, who I'm actually meeting up with tonight because she's actually located here in Denver where I am today calling you in as part of my book tour today for Girl Mogul. And Lizzie was so kind and actually said that she was my longtime mentee and I should have never been embarrassed about contacting her because I had been. And she was so looking forward to the day that she could give back. And so when she heard that I needed help, she jumped at the chance to introduce me to the one person she did know within the media industry. That was her father, Rob Ackerman. And so I ended up meeting with him and he gave me the chance to do anything and everything for him, which is what I told him I would love to do, love to learn from him. And so I ultimately contacted him, told him that I would love to do anything and everything, the most boring thing, just let me know it and I would do it. And he said, why don't you become my check-in girl for the Broadway show that I'm writing at nights? Um, he was a longtime props master on Saturday Night Live, but at nights he was oftentimes writing different shows and a very prolific playwright, always needing support and help. And I became his check-in girl. But of course, I wasn't going to be just any check-in girl. I went above and beyond, even though... It, Others might think it was a boring task. I thought it was the most exciting thing ever. And I was checking people in using Excel sheets. He was just expecting pencil and paper. I used Excel. I researched everybody. I created whole databases. And within a few weeks, he turned to me and said, why don't you become actually our general manager for the show? And that's how I became a general manager on Broadway. And then subsequently, several weeks later, he introduced me to his cousin, Stephen, who had helped to discover Lady Gaga, helped to manage Britney Spears, and was a thought leader in the music industry. Even too, I told I would love to help. I said, you know, anything at all that you have, anything mundane whatsoever, please just give it to me. And he ended up then sending me articles at night that he had been trying to write and needed help editing. And since he recalled that I worked at the school newspaper, not remembering that, in fact, I had just been running it from the business side, he thought I must be a good editor. And so even though I didn't know how to edit, I tried my best and I over-edited every single word. I removed every word because I just wanted to prove to him that anything at all, anything, anything boring, he could just always send it to me and count on me. And so I went above and beyond to do that, send it back to him and he liked it and he liked my edits. So then he started sending me more projects and more projects and more projects and ventures and I became Stephen's protege. And then finally, he then one day turned to me and said, why don't I introduce you to my best friend next, Anne, who is now the president of BBC. And so that's how I ended up working for Anne and becoming one of her protégés and seeing her as my mentor now. And she serves on our board at Mobile. And subsequently, I ended up working for BBC as a result. So then the final leg of the journey towards Mogul and inspiration was that I then ended up after BBC working for one of the presidents of HBO and then one of the presidents of CBS and became one of the youngest leaders at CBS, overseeing TV stations, radio stations, websites, mobile properties from a strategy business development standpoint. 
in 29 different U.S. cities, 150 different properties. I was learning so much, but then at nights, reached out to role models, just as I had with Rob and Stephen and Anne, reached out to even more and found myself with two other jobs, one with the vice mayor of Beijing, working in a second venture whereby I became the global head of marketing for this venture. And then the third job I had at nights, again from reaching out to role models and asking if I could help in any way possible. I found myself producing feature films and documentaries with A-list talent in Hollywood, finding ways to highlight different social issues that needed more global awareness. So that these three jobs that you see elements of within Mogul today, highlighting different social issues, bridging cultural gaps, and at the forefront of content, innovating, and yet, all of a sudden, what really happened to transform my life thereafter was that one day, different magazines started to write about my three jobs. Forbes in particular, I remember about me within one of the first times they ever published a 30 under 30 list. And no one knew what it was at the time. It was a much smaller thing than it is today. It put me on the list alongside Evan Spiegel from Snap and all these other incredible gurus and titans and all these amazing moguls themselves. And then there I was. And they had accidentally left my email address on the platform. So all of a sudden, I got a flood of emails from women asking for help and advice on how they could get these three jobs too that I had had. And so I would write back to every single letter because I couldn't help it. I just really wanted to always give out action steps, not just fluffy guidance, actual action items that could be done so that they could become successful too. And then word spread and a flood occurred. And all of a sudden, I find myself with the idea for mobile. What if instead of sharing all this advice one-on-one -on -one behind the scenes, we could have a platform whereby all of us, millions of us, could share our obstacles and challenges and struggles. And then from that, we'd be able to help each other with ideas and insights and reach our goals in this way and realize our full potential and thus enable all of society to reach its full potential. And so that's how I came up with the idea for mobile. Wow, that's amazing. And I think that there's some really interesting just key points in this story just about how you reacted. So we hear so much in this women's movement about the confidence gap and feeling that insecurity. And I heard that from you a couple of times. I and mean, when you, you know, when you were first in college and then again when you went to grad school and you know, you talk about kind of going home and, and centering yourself. But what, if anything, do you do now when you sort of feel that, you know, that fear come in? Because I think to the outside world, right? you look completely fearless, you know, and here she is and done this and even the name mogul, right? I mean, uh, you just understanding sort of what goes on inside and how you deal with, you know, when you have those kind of those moments where you're like, okay, I'm a total fraud. What's happening? <laughs> I think I found three steps for building up confidence. The first step was to push myself to force myself through that voice that said I couldn't regret a single moment ever again. I had to say something or else I would regret it. I had to speak up. I had to put my foot forward or else I would regret it. I hate regret. So therefore it was that first step, that voice that helped me to build up confidence, kind of like at the closest level. But working backwards, what can also help is if you have a certain role model that you feel is a great role model in terms of whatever it is that you don't have confidence in, mm -hmm. whether it is in speaking or whether it is with writing or drawing, to almost envision that you are them in the moment that you're feeling that fear also can help you feel the confidence. So I remember when I was first doing public speaking and I'd not had any experience, but all I could think of was that like Tina Fey and Mindy Kaling and Cheryl Sandberg were all great speakers. I remember taking on almost 
this idea that maybe I was them, I could be like them, and thus like I felt like them, and therefore it gave me a little bit more ounce of confidence as I tried to project like them, I tried to act like them in that moment where I was feeling very little confidence. And of course, the aim is to develop your own persona and to be your own self and to be authentic. And your own way of speaking and your own way of writing is like the most important thing. But to get there, to build up that confidence, it's fine to draw inspiration from others at the very beginning. And then finally, I mean, those are kind of the two biggest ways in which I built up the confidence. Um, but I just feel like ultimately by practice, by experience, forcing yourself and by actually building up the experience, that is actually how you're going to get there. I know that's like a very famous quote from Mindy Kaling is that, you know, at the end of the day, confidence comes from experience. I have to admit that, you know, again, that voice pushed me, the confidence, the steps of building up the confidence by taking on the persona helped others who are role models. But at the end of the day, it was by doing it over and over and over again, that then I did become more confident. No, that's awesome gives me great joy to hear you say role model so many times because of course that's my whole reason for being and, and trying to provide access to these role models constantly and I think it's so important what you said. I think that some people they interchange sometimes mentor and role model and they really are very different things. I think mean, you know role models are people you, you never ever have to meet them to be able to to glean that and you can have hundreds of them you know so one person is a role model for that public speaking and one's a role model for a business she built. I mean I think that's the beauty of it and you can take just those little bits from each person to become then what you're going to become. But it, you know, it's okay to do that and to seek them out. And I often talk to women about at the end of the day, we have to commit to do is to actually seek them out. Because I find that when I talk to women, they feel silo, they feel this scarcity, they don't see it out there, but they have to commit, right? To just like anything that we do, any kind of habit. If we want to get in shape, we have to exercise, but we can't just do it once. We have to do it every day for a certain number of times, and then suddenly it becomes a habit. And I sort of look at role models like that, is that we have to decide as women that we know they're out there. And that's my whole job. And, and what you're doing as well is like, okay, we're putting it out there. It's out there. It's free. It's access for you. But you've got to commit to, to push through, right? To seek them out when you're feeling those things. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about too is, of course, now they have actual research that proves that women who sort of make it to the top and make it to leadership positions have a tribe of women around them. They really have that. And I know that when I'm out speaking, number one question I get asked, how do I find my tribe? And I've always sort of had that and I've been around that and, and the world I live in. But do you have that? And how has that affected sort of your success? It's so important to have different types of mentors, as you mentioned, role models, mentors, people you can learn from. I find that a mentor is essentially anyone that you can learn from something from. So I see a, a direct report as a mentor at times. I see my peers as mentors. I see those above me as mentors. Of your tribe, I find that therefore those various layers are important to keep as part of your tribe as well. Um, those above you, those alongside you, those that report to you, those can be all parts of your tribe, different tribes. So perhaps you be therefore a member of that tribe so that then, you know, for inspiration, you have those that you can look to for inspiration and friendship, those who are alongside you, a tribe for commiseration and, and again, friendship and also inspiration. And then finally, those below you that may be reporting to you, for example, or maybe younger than you, or, or it doesn't have to be that way, but perhaps whoever you think, though, that maybe you're providing a lot of guidance to may also be part of your tribe because at the end of the day, again, that relationship and friendship is building and they too may be bringing a lot back to you. So it's more to build tribes of diverse natures. 
I know that, for example, I belong to a tribe of women who are within the C-suite, for example, and are board members within different public companies. And this is a tribe that I've been a part of now more recently, but it gives me such inspiration to be around such incredible women who are kind of um, within their 50s and 60s and ultimately just have reached the top of their careers. And to see and to be amongst them just gives me such inspiration always and kind of a path ahead always. And yet I also have a tribe of fellow founders who are amazing and just provide such inspiration that yet again, always working so hard on their businesses, lacking sleep and, you know, Mm -hmm. getting a chance to share our collective battle stories just always serves as inspiration as well and always gives me such fortitude and strength ahead. So yeah, so different tribes of different kinds is really important. Let's talk a little bit about the name Mogul. Just tell us a little bit about what that means to you and why you felt that was a fitting name for your company. I picked the word mogul because I felt like my grandmother was such a mogul to me. And I wanted to be just like her, as I've mentioned. And then what happened was that along the way, therefore, different people would start to call me the word mogul. I was at Harvard Business School, as I've mentioned, when all of a sudden my classmates started to call me the media mogul as a term of endearment. And so I looked upon it as a very positive word. But then when I graduated, I noticed that no one was called a mogul or very few people in the world were called moguls. In fact, typically when you Google the word mogul, different men's names would show up. Rupert Murdoch, Warren Buffett. I remember that also different definitions in the dictionary said successful businessman. So I thought, what a shame that this word is attributable to just one type of person when it could be attributable to all, all women and girls too, to know they can be moguls as well. Today, if you Google the word mogul, you search us on the app store, we are the number one search result across both. And so we have helped to redefine that word mogul for the next generation of girls and women to know that they can be moguls too. That's perhaps our proudest feat and biggest feat to date at Mogul. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So you now, as of this week or as of yesterday or today, right, have two books out, one called You Are a Mogul and just out your brand new book that you're in Denver doing your book signing for is Girl Mogul. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about each book maybe and and sort of what you hope the reader's going to gain from the books. So You Are a Mogul, it was for millennial women, women in the workplace, really across any generation, truly, to be able to learn how to be moguls at the earliest stages of their career in the workplace, within the office. So how to get a promotion, how to get a raise, how to land their first big deal, how to build a business. I mean, all these various aspects of career and life show up within You Are a Mogul. And I've had so many women come up to me and tell me that the book influenced and impacted their life so much. They read every page, they highlighted every page, they mm-hmm. every other page, they photocopied the page on how to get a, a raise and hung it up in their offices. And ultimately, the three main lessons from that book are how to be strategic and flexible, how to collaborate to, to accelerate, how to follow your gut. Ultimately, all these lessons that, again, are very overarching, but I break down into such incredible strategies and tactics that anyone can use to then become moguls themselves right away today. And so Your Mobile is really, really an amazing book, I think. I'm super proud of it. Became a national bestseller this past year. It became one of the top 10 bestselling business books in the U.S. And then with Girl Mogul, it was essentially what I felt I lacked as a high school student. As a middle school student, as a high school student growing up, I wished I had had such a book that would speak to me, that wasn't speaking down to me or even in a way whereby I wouldn't understand it. It's relatable. 
It's all my stories from within that time period as well, but be young too, so they can see the path ahead as well for them. It's ex extremely important lessons for young women to be able to learn, young professionals, so that they again too can become moguls at the earliest stages of their lives and careers, even within school, which is when I started. So I'm really excited about Girl Mogul. I think it's going to be so impactful. It's going to impact the readers of Girl Mogul and all the lives they will touch. So it's going to touch millions of lives in this way, and I'm really excited for it. I think it's so important as we're sort of in the throes of this women's movement, and you know, we call it a women's movement, but at the end of the day, it's really about that next generation, right? I mean, that's what we're all working for and is to make sure that the girls that are, you know, in grade school and middle school and high school right now are going to have a much different playing field, I guess, if you will, than we have. And I think that showing them that and, and always showing access. Actually, I just saw um, a couple of weeks ago, there's a young girl, she's a Girl Scout, and she wrote a book, I think it's called Raise Your Hand. And it was all about, raising her hand and she did it and she actually got a Girl Scout badge created. Then all the proceeds are going back to the Girl Scout. But really what she wanted to talk to girls about is that she said when she looked around in her class that girls weren't raising their hand. And you even said those exact things. Like I, just, I, did, I didn't want to raise my hand. Then I forced myself to raise my hand. And how do you do that? And that's what this whole book is about. And I think it's just it's so important. Just that one movement, just raising your hand and having a voice and speaking up and then doing it again and again and again, again, forming that habit, right? Exactly. So it becomes easy. Persevering. I can't tell you how much that has changed my life. Those two steps of pushing yourself and persevering. It's impacted me in every single way. So of course, throughout my time at Harvard, and I actually didn't have, I even really describe how I got started with Mogul. Once I came up with the idea, mm -hmm. what happened was that now I had the idea, now it was time to again, go out there and do it and persevere. At the time, I didn't have money though to hire engineers. And I thought, well, maybe the one final thing I could do to help all these young women who were contacting me and writing me letters was to perhaps start this out myself. And I thought maybe I could teach myself how to code Ruby on Rails for all these young women to be able to use this platform that I've been thinking of to be able to connect with one another and, and share all their obstacles and then again, be able to reach their goals thereafter and reach their full potential. But anyways, didn't know how to get started raising my hand, how to start going out there to let people know that I was interested in this. I had to do this, push myself. And then I found a Ruby on Rails tutorial by Michael Hartle, this PDF that I found that's changed my life ever since. And it was 10 chapters. I gave up so many times, or I almost did, throughout the 10 chapters, but I kept on pushing myself, persevering to build up the habit of becoming an engineer myself so I could create this myself. And so chapter one took me about a month. And do you know what it was? It was what software to download. <laughs> I almost gave up so many times, but I finally got to the last step and then finally got to then the next chapters. So nine more chapters left. And I flew through those in another week and a half after I was able to persevere because I'd built up that habit for pushing myself and persevering. And so then after that, that's when I was able to build the first version of mobile myself. And it was very ugly, very basic. And yet I was super proud that I had built something from my own head, an idea, and I put it out there. And then that's when I ended up sending it out to all the young girls and women who had been writing me letters. And that's when we ended up exploding to so many women around the world and becoming one of the fastest and largest female millennial platform in the world now. That's amazing. And it is amazing. I assume you still don't do the coding, right? <laughs> You're not doing the coding now. <laughs> Now I'm, you know, I have had the opportunity to build out an engineering team that now takes on the coding. But from time to time, I, I help out and jump back in just because <laughs> it's 
something that I love so much. And if I had the opportunity to uh, be of help, then I, I will provide that service. <laughs> well, and what I think is so fascinating about that too, is just, you know, learning, being able to see it from the inside out, because I, you know, I know that when we're building out, we just, we had a three and a half hour, like whiteboard session just yesterday about some things that we're building out. And you really have to get in and be able to see it. How could that be built from the back end? So, you know, just really trying to understand how all the mechanics work. So I'm sure that that's a huge help, even when you're visioning. Like, okay, I want this outcome and you can sort of see the pieces. I'm sure that's a, it's huge. Just always that continuing, you know, education and pushing yourself. And I think that, you know, some of the, you know, the things that I heard from you as well, and I think are really uh, important is how your work in three jobs. I mean, you had no work-life balance, which I I think is sort of this, you know, buzz right now. And I think the reality is to achieve the kind of success I think that we all want, it takes grit and it takes really hard work and it takes sacrifice. And I think that sometimes social media has forgotten about that part. We just see the end result and we think it's easy. And so I think it's great that you're so candid about that story and how hard you work, you know, working till 3 a.m., you know, and then starting coding, which is pretty incredible. Thank you. Yeah. And do it while you're young because you can't stay up that late when you get old, right? <laughs> That's very true too and very candid to admit. You know, I definitely thought like I should do it as much as possible earlier on because as I get older and older, it's going to be tougher and tougher to just be sleeping three to four hours a night. I right. Five to six, which I do now, you know, and then especially now and even later on in life, six to seven to eight to nine. <laughs> yes, exactly. As we're getting ready to close out here, I just would love for you to just answer a couple more quick questions. So what did you want when you started Mogul? What did you want the greatest impact to be? And then what do you think that it will be? And are those things the same or are they a little bit different? So what did you envision this impact? And then what has the impact and what do you see the impact of Mogul being? With Mogul, we wanted to ensure that we help to address three main global issues. First, women represent just 15% of share of voice globally. So in terms of our voices, in terms of op-eds, in terms of board positions, we represent just 15% of that representation. So through our user ecosystem that Mogul has built, through the fact that we are now one of the largest female millennial platforms worldwide, providing people with the access and opportunity to raise their voices, share their insights through our app, mobile web platform, through our emails and socials and through our book events and our conference, which is now the third largest women's conference in the U.S. Through this whole user ecosystem that we've created, we can ensure that we lift up this share of voice for women to 50% or more. In terms of our next global issue that we're working to solve, we are working to ensure that women are not just what they are today, which is just 15% of top leadership positions such that it's going to take until 2085 for us to reach parity with men. Through our resources, through the software we license to companies, through our tools, through our various ways in which we partner with Fortune 1000 companies to bring women into their workplace and help them advance, we can ensure that this rate too is at 50% or more and at much faster rates than 2085 to reach parity with men. Right now, we work with so many incredible companies to help achieve that, from Amazon to IBM to Samsung to Nike, J. Crew, Estee Lauder, Stanley Black & Decker, and many more, over a couple hundred Fortune 1000 companies that work with us, again, to help attract, retain, and advance that diverse talent amongst our women community. And is that through kind of your hiring? I know you have a really robust hiring platform. Through our user ecosystem, we actually integrate all the opportunities from our partners all throughout so that then our opportunities get in front of the most incredible women who are either interested in opportunities right now or interested in an opportunity for later. And so for us, the ways in which we 
currently generate revenue is by partnering with these incredible companies in a way that reinforces our mission, which is to bring more opportunities to women and help them reach managerial positions and above faster. So ultimately, again, we are working to provide others with the resource for sharing their voices. We are providing them with opportunities so that we can also reach parity with men by 2085. Finally, there's a one-third global issue. There are over 62 million girls around the world who lack free educational resources. Because they're prevented by their societies from attending schools, because of their gender, they're prevented from attending school in the first place. And so Mogul, we signed a historic partnership with the UN and other organizations since 2017 whereby for every dollar we would earn, we would regularly provide free educational resources to girls and women in need and ultimately be able to therefore work to provide those same 62 million women around the world free educational resources, Mobile and the UN and other partners now to date. That's awesome. And as we close, what's one piece of advice either that you were given that you live by or that you like to give out? My number one advice is to fail forward fail forward to always be brave and courageous and not be perfect. It's fine if you're not perfect at the beginning, you will get perfected over time or whatever you're working on will be perfect over time. Fail forward because so long as you're learning, you're succeeding. My parents always emphasized failing and being happy and failing. So long as we're learning, you're succeeding. For me, I, I take joy in that. And I take joy in all the no's that I get along the way. I get many, many no's. And for me, it's fine because I have a bad short-term memory, but and I forget them right away. But even if I didn't, I always keep in mind that a no is a not right now that will turn into a yes. I keep on hearing that if a no is there, that in fact, I, I will be able to turn it into a yes. So I thrive on the no's. I thrive on failing. And uh, I hope the audience here today does as well. I love that. I love turning those things that I think universally we think of as negative into a positive, thriving on the nose and thriving on failing and just accepting it is part of life. We will all fail far, far more than we succeed in life. And if we just embrace that, right? <laughs> Don't worry about the nose. Just go after the yes. See the failing and the, the nose that you get as just a way to get to their yes. Like, where is that yes? Go hunt for it. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Tiffany, so much. I really appreciate your time. And I will rush out and get both of your books. You are a mogul and now out, I guess it's out probably on Amazon and lots of places, Girl Mogul. And the website is onmogul.com. Yes, the website is onmogul.com and we're absolutely also available as an app on the App Store. That's awesome. Well, we will of course be watching and following you and excited to see what you do next. And thank you for sharing so openly and authentically your story. I know that our listeners got a ton of amazing nuggets from you as an incredible role model. So we appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Wonderful to see you. Looking for more inspiration, advice, and direction? Subscribe to our free daily email newsletter and podcast, Four Minutes with On The Dot, where we provide you with the tools and motivation you need to get out there and be the badass you are meant to be. Tune in next week where our editor, Sheena, sits down with Susan Solomon, author and founder of the Women's Leadership Network. We're focused on your success. So let us know what you think by chatting with us at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We'd love to hear your voice.